Beautiful. Marilyn and Pete. You've got to love them, don't you? I don't know if they're here right now, but they've, uh, ever since I've been here, they've faithfully um, uh, been running divorce care and it has ministered to um, so many across our city and so many uh, in our church that uh, never expected to be on that journey. But, um, but you know, there's a little verse, I think it's in Isaiah, that when the enemy pushes down a wall, God can rebuild it stronger than it was before. And, um, and we look for that. We look even, you know, if, it's, if we're not able to reconcile uh, a marriage, we're looking for healing in the individual so the wall can be rebuilt stronger than before. But I know um, this group, I go and have desserts with them on occasions and, and spend time with them. And it is just beautiful the way the Lord heals and what the Lord does. And you can just hear it in um, Peter Marilyn's voice, can't you? Just the, um, the real sense of God's, God's healing power and his strength. So, and, and that leads us beautifully, uh, as if this was all planned, into uh, real life, empowered life. We spent the last two weeks preaching on uh, the redeemed life. And what I'm doing is presenting the vision of the board over in all of our campuses, in all our locations. We are preaching uh, real life, which is not just a series if you're visiting us, It is our church vision. We believe that when you become a Christian, you receive real life. That you begin the life that God designed for you. And that life is is incredible and remarkable and, and can make such a difference to us. So this is not just the series. It is the outlaying of our vision as a church. So I started off two weeks ago. And preached about the redeemed life. And spoke about the reality that, that we, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and we talked about the fact that as redeemed people, we are forgiven. And, and, and that God has, has spoken into our lives and given us that second chance. And that we are good news people. We are not bad news people. We are people that, that our lives have been in chaos, but the saving power of Christ has brought peace and order and has brought a change. God engages in a relationship with us, not because he is somehow lonely, but humanity is an expression of God's love and majesty, his artistry. You are not here as a mistake. You are chosen and you are loved by God. And we spoke about the redeemed life in terms of the what we call the great exchange, or as the theologians call it, the beautiful exchange. His righteousness for my unrighteousness, the exchange. He became sin so that I could be forgiven. He didn't become a sinner, but he became sin. And so that I could be forgiven and begin a new life. And we talked about the power of sin. We talked about the fact that we are chosen people. And we talked about the fact that we really, in redeemed life, we begin our life. And Willow Park Church is all about explaining to people the good news of the forgiveness of sins and that Christ changes lives. Amen. That's what we love to do. That's why we do what we do. That's why we exist. 
Christ. We're here not to create some kind of little club uh, or, or we're here not to uh, just entertain. We are here to introduce people to the living God. And so that is the redeemed life. But then we want to move on and talk about the empowered life. That actually you get saved or you become a Christian or you're born again or you're regenerated by the power of God. Your sins are forgiven. But actually that's not the end of the story. You don't just get your Willy Wonka ticket to heaven and that's it. And you're on your way to the chocolate factory and it's going to be wonderful. No way. It's, it's, it's that actually once you become a Christian, you go through a process and this is empowered whereby you are changed in your character and you become more like Christ. You see, although we believe in the gifts here as a church, we believe that character always comes first above gifts. That we are most interested in your character and our character in the way that we are in our lives. And so we understand that for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This is a scripture we're going to be exploring. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So the point is, is that when you become a Christian, there are huge benefits to believing. There are amazing changes that happen within our life and these benefits are there because the reason Jesus Christ came was to give us life. And sometimes we can forget this, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And we really believe that actually that's what we receive. Life, life to the full, life that is real, life that is, that is amazing, that this life comes into us and changes us and we become different people. It changes us into the people we should be because we know if we're really honest, there are areas in our life which we need changing. We need God to do something. We need God to work. I remember the day I became a Christian, uh, after about three days, I noticed that something had completely changed in my life. I wasn't doing something I had done before. I came from a completely non-Christian background. I, I hadn't sworn for three days. It's amazing. Wow. And then I looked and went, I haven't sworn. Then I swore. Um, and then, then the battle began. But I actually was changed. And, and, and cussing and swearing and things like this, we had a foul mouth. Suddenly, I, I was changing in my character and I realised that this was the kind of person I was. But suddenly I'd begun this new life and this life was amazing. This life is incredible. This life is the work of Jesus within us. This is what scares me. And I say this on our set free course and it's at the end of the month. We preach about Jesus changing our lives and yet people can sit in congregations for decades and never be changed. 
We preach about the new life and yet I meet people, I pray with people who are living with hurt from decades ago. I remember I was speaking at one pastor's conference and at the end of it an old gentleman came came to me and he said, thank you for speaking, can I pray with you? I said, I said, yes. He said, you know, I've had this very deep resentment against this, this church uh, and I was removed from leadership and, and then I heard the church went downhill and then people were, were leaving it and he said, the truth is, you know, they had kind of got rid of me and, um, and I, I kind of smiled inside. I, thought, well, you know, they, they deserve that. And, and he said, I want to confess to you that I had a bad attitude. And, and then I heard that, that year, a decade or so later, they started to do better and they started to grow. And, 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 and in the recent years, I was invited back. He said, but that hurt, it's never gone away, that, that pain. He said, but today when you've preached... I want to confess this and I want all this pain to go away. And I prayed with him and he confessed this and he said, thank you. That darkness has just lifted. I said, how long ago did this happen? He said, it happened 45 years ago. I said, You've carried that wound and that pain for 45 years and that resentment. He said, I, I, I did. I did. I said, how old are you now? I think he said, I'm, I'm 75. There's something wrong, isn't there? That we are called, that we have life and we have new life and yet sometimes events happen in our lives and we're not free of them. They, 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 they hurt us, they carry with us, they're, they're present. And yet Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have life to the full. Can I tell you that at Willow Park Church, we believe that through the ancient practices of forgiveness and confession and life, that those pains of the past, I can tell you this on the authority of scripture, that you can release the prisoners and the prisoner can go free, that God will bind up your broken heart and he will give you a new beginning. God's not finished with any of us. Not finished with any of us. And yet somehow we seem to be timid because in Isaiah 61 it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. To what? Bind up the brokenhearted. Preach freedom for the captive. You know, release for the prisoner. This is the empowered life. It is a life that is lived in freedom because if the son has set you free, you are free indeed. That's And so it bothers me in church culture when we have the same anger problem we had 15 years ago and we still haven't dealt with that. It bothers me. It bothers me in my own life. And I can testify in my own life, gosh, how much the Lord has truly done. And I want to talk about this. We are justified. The judgment has been 
past. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes before we break bread about the power and the theology of justification and how this beautiful word of justification should change the way that we view ourselves. What does justification really mean? Well, for a moment, indulge me and imagine a courtroom and you are in the dock and you are condemned. And suddenly into this courtroom walks the son of the living God. And as he walks into this oak courtroom of grandeur and age and justice, you are condemned. But he walks in and says, according to the laws of heaven, according to the laws of God, he walks in and he says, no, let me take the punishment. Let me step in the place. I have paid that price. And the great hammer, the gravel, bangs on the wood and it says, you are free and you are forgiven. And you walk out of that courtroom having been condemned, having been so wrong, having been so alienated from God and God's laws and God's justice and God's way. And you walk onto the steps of that great courthouse, you breathe in the air again. And as you breathe in the air, you know that you are a free man, you are a free woman, that the ledger of your life where you were once bankrupt, where you were once overdrawn, where it marked that you were in the red and condemned, God has placed on your ledger his forgiveness, his his grace, his righteousness. And for once in your life, you are free. You are alive. You have peace with God. That is justification. You have peace with God. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That legal statement has stepped in. I know that. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the most fortunate. You and I are the most blessed. You and I are are gloriously rich in our experience because once we were at war with God in our lives, but through faith we have been justified and now we have peace with God. You can walk out of this church this morning if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and know that you are the most blessed person. Why? Because you have peace with God. You know that your debts have been paid. You know that you are forgiven. You know that you've been justified. Oh, you don't deserve this. But suddenly you look around and you go, I have peace with God, the creator of heaven and earth. I have peace with God right now. I am justified. God thinks highly of me. Now think about that. Because the theology of justification should change the way that we feel about ourselves. The theology of justification will affect our whole life. It will empower us. It will change us. It will change us from being people who have a low self-esteem to a people who know who we are in God. So you may look at yourself and think, you know, I'm, 
I'm wretched. I struggle in this area. I feel worthless. I feel as if I'm no good. Well, let me tell you something. When you have the theology of justification, we cannot afford the time to look at ourselves and say, I am this. I am useless. I am of no value. Come on. You are of value. And why can I say that? Because the son of the living God was nailed to the cross for you so that you may have peace with God. You should be the happiest person alive because of that. We should get up and know that we have significance not because of what we do. We have significance because of who loves us. And that's the power of justification. I don't deserve it, but I'm loved. Now, I know we spend a lot of time thinking. And when you think, whose opinion do you hold the highest in your life? Do you hold God's opinion of you higher than your opinion of yourself? Because what often happens is that we hold an opinion that is unbiblical, untheological, untrue about ourselves, and yet God thinks something completely different about us. So let me ask you a question. Who's right? Is God's thoughts and opinions of you correct, or are you more correct than God? He created everything. So when I start to look at myself through eyes that are not how God looks at me, I have a problem. Now I know we do this, don't we? You know, who is the person that you speak to the most in your life? You're thinking now, who's that person? (laughs) You probably think, my wife. And some of you right now looking at each other, I can see more than you know. And going, oh, darling, it's me. Who is that person? Who is the person you speak to the most in all of your life? Can I tell you who the person you spend most of the time talking to in your life? It's you. Is that true? We spend most of our time talking to ourselves about ourselves and talking to ourselves all the time. It's our favourite subject. We, we talk to ourselves. We chat to ourselves about ourselves. And then we look at ourselves and we talk to ourselves about what we've just told ourselves and we keep talking to ourselves, right? Are you confused? I am. And at this moment you're talking to yourself, Right? You're going, yes, I do. I get on, I say, oh, Phil, you should have done this way. You should have done that. You weren't good enough. You weren't this. You're, you do this. And then, oh, well, I've got something to tell you. What have you got to tell me? You should have handled it this way. But I handled it this way. Don't you feel bad? Yes, I feel bad. You see, there's a satanic formula that wears you out because you would rather believe what you tell yourself about yourself than believe what the King of Kings tells you about yourself. And when I know that I am justified, what does that mean, you say? 
really feel? What does that mean? I am justified. Well, I'll tell you what it means. It means you are forgiven. You are a forgiven person. It means you are loved. It means that not only are you forgiven, not only are you loved, and some of you may find this even difficult, because we do, we have such low opinions of ourselves, and we've talked to ourselves for years about, you know, they say we, we think, 80% of what we think, they tell us, is negative. And then 80% of that negative stuff that we tell ourselves, we've already told ourselves again and again and again. But you are forgiven, you are loved, and you are pleasing to God. What do you mean I'm pleasing to God? Well, you are pleasing to God because he no longer sees me, but he sees Jesus. And when I get up in the morning, I am loved. I am pleasing to God. I am forgiven, not because of anything I can do, but I'm a child of God and I am justified. And that should change the way I live. It should change the way I speak. It should change the way I think because I am a forgiven person. This is the satanic formula, if you like. It's... Often our self-worth is equals our performance and others' opinions of us. You and I wear ourselves out by always performing for everybody else. And the most important thing that we keep thinking about is what does everybody else think? You have to give up thinking what everybody else thinks and believing it. You have to start thinking what God thinks about you in your justified life. And we wear ourselves out with becoming uh, approval freaks. And we wear ourselves, pastors are actually the worst at this. Can I tell you? You know, we have a bad Sunday and people don't turn up. And then we have a good Sunday, you know, and, and, and oh, hallelujah. And then we have another, you know, it comes to Labor Day weekend and even the pastor doesn't turn up. And... And then you, you, you go, oh, and, 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 and pastors, like any of us, can be on a, a roller coaster that our, our performance and our success is based on some sort of weird pastoral celebrity status. That is the stuff that gives people breakdowns. Because my worth is not based on any of that. My worth is based that I am loved by him. And that empowers my life. That gives me the fuel to get up. That helps me get rid of the junk. That helps me change. And, and, and three areas we have to be very careful of. That we, become, we have addiction to, uh, to the approval of others. This wears us out. We shouldn't have an addiction of the approval of others. We should have, if we can use the word, we should have a addiction, a deep desire, a dependency, not on anything else, but on our relationship with the living God counts as number one. 
I get my approval through my relationship with God. Uh, the desire to live life by some kind of formula. <coughs> Let me just say religious formula. That our faith is no longer based in religion, but it's in relationship, but it's based in religion. And we know what religion does in homes. It wears us out. We have to do this. We have to be good enough. We have to come to this standard. We have to fulfill this. You know, we can't allow ourselves to be honest and real. We can't allow ourselves to admit that we've got problems because we're Christians and we, we, we live by this religious formula. Religious formulas and formulas in life will wear you out but a relationship with Christ brings life and life to the full and the need to control life is so complicated at times we just can't control it can't we I mean you'd like to in fact many of you have worn yourselves out trying to control your life life isn't about us controlling. Life is about us trusting. That we have to trust. Oh, you know, we like to control our life. That's why we, you know, I wish my life would just go on this perfect story and everything would be great. Well, perfect stories exist, but they only exist in films. It's called a story arch or a story grid. And you begin the story, you have somebody struggling against the world and they have a villain that is against you and you get through it and, and then suddenly you find yourself in all kinds of trouble and you're propelled into a situation where there's no escape. You know, this is like the plot of James Bond and, and you're tied up and, and there's no escape and the villain's going to get you but then by some amazing miracle you escape from this moment by a watch that blows up and, 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 then, and then you escape. But the, the person you love the most in your life uh, you know, is in danger and you want to save her and she's going to be killed by the villain and then suddenly the villain is killed and, and then... And then, and then, but the villain, oh, you've won. But then the villain has set something like a bomb under London and London's going to be blown up. So right at the end, you've got another problem to solve and you save London, which is very good. And, and you save London from blowing up and then you rescue your, your love of your life because, you know, she's chained to something, another bomb. And, and then you, you fall into arms and, and of course... James Bond's not the best um, example. Uh, but then he goes and finds a pastor, has marriage counselling, gets saved, joins Willow Park Church, tithes from all that drug money. It's wonderful. That's a story arch. It has a, a beginning, a middle, a conclusion. Life is good. You get through your problems. Whoa! You control the story. That's why we buy novels. It's proven. I'll tell you what, real life isn't like that. It's not, is it? Just sit down with me and I'll tell you about the last four weeks of my life. You couldn't write it. Your life. It's either so boring <laughs> that nothing happens and when something happens, if you wrote it down, people say, nah. That doesn't happen. 
It's because the only person that we should look for control is, is the Lord in our story. And in the chaos of our stories and the chaos of our lives, there can be the goodness of God flowing through. You may have walked into this church and your life is a complete mess. And I want to say, welcome to Willow Park Church. Because our second point is an empowered life and we don't mind sorting messes out. Because we don't do it, it's the Lord. He'll sort your mess out. He'll sanctify you. He'll change your view. And you'll get what? You'll get a new identity. A new identity. Why? Because you are adopted. Adoption's a beautiful thing. I love adoption. Families in our church adopt children. I love it. It is so close to the heart of the Father, the whole idea of adoption. I just adore the whole, whole journey of people. Because I'm adopted, not biologically, but I'm adopted spiritually. Because I came from one family, a fallen family, and I was adopted into God's family. And you and I are adopted. Let's read that. Let's do a little think about this here from our original scripture. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You know, this is the freedom we have. This little beautiful word led means all of us. It's very interesting. It has that that sense of all of us. It's not just for the special people. It's not just for the pastors. All of you, in the chaos of your own life, can be led by the Spirit of God. And we're called children of God, sons of God. We're all that. We're all chosen and loved by God, and and we're led by the Spirit. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. The Spirit, what's that mean? It means... You have not become a Christian to live with an attitude whereby things in your life enslave you and rob you. I I, I spent a lot of time meditating on, on, on slavery. And there's much I could talk about the ancient world and slavery. But there's just this one little line that popped out of one commentary and it was this. It was basically when you were a slave, you had a miserable life. It was miserable. It was horrible. It was vile. Horrific. But you have not received a miserable life. The word spirit there is your mind, the way that you think, your attitude to all around you. And do you have an attitude of an orphan? an attitude of a slave? Are there big areas of your life where it's just miserable and it's just 
horrible and you have the spirit, the, the, the character, the thought process of that which is so binding, so, so, so miserable, so dark. The Paul says, you're not that person anymore. You're not a slave to these emotions anymore. You are somebody that is different. And, and so don't fall back into fear. Don't fall back into terror is a good, good way of describing that word. Don't fall back. And so often we can receive our salvation and yet we fall back into bad habits. We fall back into thought patterns that are destructive. We fall back into our opinions and we place our opinion and thoughts above God's thoughts of us and we fall back into that. But you have received the spirit of adoption. Interesting wording again with the spirit of adoption. He uses the actual Roman legal word that describes a legal transaction of one child belonging to this family now has legally shifted the name to this family and therefore becomes the heir of that family's fortune. That's me. That's you. See, I may belong to this family, but by adoption, I've been grafted into God's family. My family over here may have all of its challenges. My family, like your family, may have issues of, of ill health, may have challenges of, of pain and destruction, of, 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 of uh, addiction. I don't know what your family story is like. It may have all chaos going on to it. But I, I, I was part of this chaotic family and he came, he adopted me and he put me in his beautiful family in the family of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I am a forgiven child of God. I've changed families. Wow. So I've changed stories. I've changed narrative because I've been adopted into this family. And it's an illegal adoption. It's been done by the laws of heaven, if you like. And as by sons by whom we cry, the most common, intimate, lovely word, Abba Father, which in any little Israeli village you walk through, you hear kids screaming, they see their dad in the field, they might cry out, Abba Father. And dad looks up and knows exactly where they are. Abba Father, that intimacy. You see who you are? So why do you keep talking to yourself about yourself in such a way? Why do you why do you have your opinions higher than God's opinions? You're not a slave anymore. But by which we cry Abba Father, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I just love this interaction. So our mission as a church 
Yes, to preach the gospel. Yes, to live the redeemed life. Yes, to say true to our, our belief in, 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 in the core of evangelical belief in the power of conversion. But secondly, it's about the empowered life that people need to realize their sonship in Christ. They need to realize that they're not a slave anymore. They need to not not be helped not to fall back into fear and terror, but to live in freedom. They need to know who they are in Christ Jesus. That's the work of sanctification for all of us. And it all reflects here in the beauty of the cross and that we are heirs We have an inheritance. So, very simply, no more fear. Receive the spirit of adoption, acceptance. Now we're the children of God. A future. We are heirs to a great eternal future. And we know how wrong death just feels. Not just any old heirs. Fellow heirs with Christ.